It's me, Dr. Z with JB. Today, John and I explore how breakups with a narcissistic partner can look and feel vastly different than those with a non-narcissistic partner. Additionally, John once again impresses listeners with his Star Trek references, and Dr. Z nails a blooper within the first 30 seconds, per usual. Yay! Hi, everybody. Sorry we... uh... Oh, no, there it is. Oh, oh, my gosh. There is the greatest blooper we've ever had, and it happens in session 21. Look at that. Look at that. But I promise you that we are going to talk about uh, breakups, and uh, this is uh, 100% uh, something that is wrapped up in uh, our daily lives through uh, any type of a relationship, obviously, through business, but obviously we're going to be talking about romantic ones. Uh, when it comes to, yes, there it is, as it is officially session 21. It's me, Dr. Z, with JB, John Barchard. And um, we've been going through, obviously, a lot of different uh, uh, narcissism uh, traits and how that affects our lives. What's the difference between a regular breakup that we all go through and one of those awful narcissistic breakups that we go through? So, Dr. Z, I'll, I'll, I will give you the lead here, as always. But first and foremost, I just... I, I think at any time, uh, people that change and go through uh, changes in relationships and, and grow apart is completely natural. And if you're doing that process, that is not a narcissism breakup. That's just a man that sucks breakup. Correct. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's so many reasons why, narcissism aside, there's so many reasons why people break up. Anything mm-hmm. from, you know, not loving the person anymore to um, they just, have other stuff going on. They, they don't want a committed relationship, has nothing to do with wanting to be with other people. Maybe they just want to get their career settled first or something like that. Um, people grow apart. There's abuse, because remember, abusive relationships doesn't necessarily mean narcissistic. Um, right. It could be financial issues. It, it could be a whole host. That it could be your value systems are different. You know, mm-hmm. we, we talked about this before. You know, my boyfriend's at 20 is very different than my boyfriend at 30 and you know at 16 and so you look for different things values and you you know like you said people grow apart or they grow apart but stay together because their apartness still kind of matches on terms of values and morals but um, to grow apart from somebody in a breakup it still sucks it doesn't necessarily hurt any less but it's actually a very normal and common kind of route that relationships take if people grow apart. Um, but again, I don't want people to always think breakups, yeah, they're, they're painful. They don't always have to be because something bad happens. It could be mm-hmm. somebody, um, like I said, took a job somewhere else. Somebody moved. Somebody, um, you know, someone in their family got sick, so they have to take care of them and they can't focus on a relationship. So there's a ton mm-hmm. of different reasons why. Um, but that doesn't make them any easier at all. Right. Even if, even if you don't break up because you don't love each other anymore, it's still extremely difficult. Sometimes yeah, it's sh- harder if you still love each other. And yes. Rather than the relationship. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm sure we've all been through that in, in some regard at, at some point in our lives. And shout out to everybody that can, by the way, uh, continuously like reinvent their relationship. If you did meet at 16 and are carrying that on, that's incredible. Hug each other incredibly hard because that's a, uh, Rare and very jealous of my brother because that's that's him. Or don't you know? hug so, each other because you don't like each other, but you're still just staying together anyway. <laughs> that too, yeah. <laughs> maybe a handshake. I'll, I'll adjust that to a handshake. Yeah, give, congratulations. High five. And then maybe, yeah, have yourself a beer or a nice little water or whatever it is. But uh, no, that's it. That's important. And, um, you know, most of the time, I would think that in a narcissistic type of breakup, you know, you're sifting through, well, towards the end anyway, you're sifting through the deceits, you're sifting through the lies, you're going through, you know, all the rage, you've tried everything. And one of the things that I think is, uh, just from experience inherently, like that comes, it's probably the first or second thing out of of somebody's uh, mouth when they're trying to establish out of a uh, narcissistic relationship is, oh man, I have done all this work to try and change this person. I, I, and now they're just going to walk to somebody else and be that better self. And I put in all that work. No way. I'm, I'm going to make this thing work. I'm going to make this person turn. And who boy, is that just uh, not a good route to take? 
in that regard. Is that which is that something that's that is around a narcissistic relation or a breakup yeah. essentially? Yeah, usually the person, the non-narcissistic partner, um, is always trying to fix something because they are really brainwashed me to think that the relationship is failing because of them or because of something they did or didn't do or something that they're not giving to their narcissistic partner. So they are gaslit, right, which is where somebody really tries to kind of distort your own reality, your confidence and your perception of things, including yourself in relation to the world. So, you know, it, it's very common for somebody in that situation to think that the failure of the relationship is their fault. So then during that discard devaluing, we talked about those different stages, you're told that nobody's gonna love you. I'm the only person that can tolerate you. I'm the only person that's ever gonna give you a chance. Nobody else is gonna want you. So when they leave, that's kind of what you're stuck believing, right? Until you realize and go through therapy and things like that. But in a narcissistic relationship, so let me just actually compare this when you say, um, you know, they're with somebody else so soon. In a narcissistic relationship, someone with narcissistic personality disorder, there's something called supply. And what that means, it's, it's a person or something that gives the person, the narcissist, some sort of um, power, control. It, it makes them feel a certain way. And usually it has to do with being able to have access or control of somebody else's emotions. And knowing that they have that, it gives them supply. It gives them that 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 attention and that 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 notoriety that they crave, right? Mm -hmm. So they will never terminate a relationship without another supply ready. Chances are that supply has been there with multiple supplies the entire time during the relationship. You and it'll happen that. quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And so never will they end a relationship without having somebody else already there or waiting in the wings. It just, it, it would be very, I'm not saying it never happens, but it would be really rare for that. So a lot of times people who put in all this effort, all this time, all this energy, going to therapy, thinking it was them, the relationship ends and they're with somebody two weeks later posting all over Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, that is not healthy and they're not with the other person for the reasons that a healthy-minded person would think. They're not even with them because it's a rebound, which we'll talk about in regular relationships. They're not even with them because it's a rebound. They're with them because that person fills, gives them that supply that they need, that they constantly need in order to stay relevant to themselves, to the world, in order to exist. So that's a lot of times what people see. In non-narcissistic type relationships, you could, this could go a bunch of different ways. You could be in a relationship with somebody um, for 30 years, right? Relationship, the romance, the relationship has died out. You've grown right. apart, but you're still together because no one really knows what to do. And you start dating somebody outside of marriage, right? The relationship ends and you have this other person. That's a different situation. I'm not saying wrong or right. I'm saying it's very different. It's not supply-based. It's, it's more of a you found somebody who was filling something that you weren't getting in your marriage. You found somebody who gives you things that other people weren't giving you. Mm -hmm. So that's that. So those are two very different types of finding someone right after the underlying reason is very different for both of those. Or sometimes you break up with someone and you're not even looking for something ends two weeks later, you meet somebody out at a restaurant and next thing you know, you're dating. So mm -hmm. it's not always, a horrible, terrible thing. Um, and, and it's not always a rebound. Now, obviously, somebody breaks up with you, you break up with somebody, you're devastated, you're upset, you want to ignore how you feel, you don't like that feeling, so you just jump into a relationship with somebody else because it takes the focus off your pain. That's a rebound relationship. Typically, those don't work out. But a rebound relationship is still different than a narcissistic breakup who the person is now immediately with somebody else and engaged mm -hmm. six weeks. It's very, very different the underlying function, meaning the reason why they're doing it is different. Yeah. And it always, I mean, we've, we've expressed that a lot in a, a bunch of different uh, uh, podcasts and lives. Like it's always, always going to be different uh, when it comes to that. And um, I, you know, what is, what, what are some of the other things that are, are vastly different when it comes to regular and uh, narcissistic breakups? 
Sure. So let's take a breakup that, um, you know, ended kind of amicably for the, for the most part, right? I mean, there's some, there's some drama, but very little, and both people know that it's hard, but it's for the best. You're not going to have these manipulative tactic and strategies afterwards, like the hoovering where they're love bombing you again, or they're trying to get a negative response from you just to get some sort of reaction from you. Um, that that will not necessarily happen in a non-narcissistic breakup. Now, it's very possible that somebody who breaks up with you or you break up with them decides six months later, you know what, I made a huge mistake, I want them back. And so you start trying to make the changes that they wanted and you start mm. trying to talk to them again and you know, asking them what can you do to make it work. Again, inherently different than hoovering and love bombing because that has nothing to do with wanting you back. Hoovering, love bombing, trying to come back into your life with a narcissist it's one of a handful of things mm -hmm. one they're bored two they want sex and maybe they can get it from you three they need money four they just want to see if they have access to your emotions yep. they don't care about getting back together with you because in their head they were never really with you to begin with you filled a, you filled a spot you were you were like a, a place setting right um so a lot of times people will confuse that as, oh, they, they know they're wrong, they change, they want to work things out. They don't. They just want to know they still have access to you or they want something from you. It has nothing to do with how they feel about you. Whereas in a, we'll say, traditional breakup, it's very common that somebody, you know, breaks up with someone and then six months later, they're like, you know what, I miss them. This is what I want. I really screwed up or the other person's like, I really fucked up. I, I really would like to talk to you. Let's meet for dinner. And it's organic. There's mm -hmm. no underlying motives. There's it's really because of the other person and the connection with the other person. It's not because you need something. It's not yes. because you just want to see if you can still get them. Um, it's just, it's but I do just, caution everybody, no matter what, always question why they're coming back. Always, always. <laughs> always. always. I don't care which one it is. Yeah. You could, somebody could be coming to get back together with you and you found out they just broke up with the other person that they were with mm. after you. And so they're lonely and they're bored, right? But it doesn't right. mean, it doesn't mean that they are. Terrible, awful, you yeah, know. Yeah, it, it just means they're lonely and they miss you. It's not the same thing as a narcissist. It's not that they miss you. They miss being able to manipulate you. They miss being able to mess with your emotions on command. Yes. They miss, they're bored. The person they're sleeping with is, is away. Terrible at it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So, they, <laughs> so they just want to find somebody to sleep with that night because mm. they can and maybe because they want to piss off the new, the new girlfriend and make them worry that maybe they're with someone. So it's never, it's never what it seems. Um, mm. So that, that's, that's a big difference. And the biggest thing across the board with narcissistic breakups and relationships in general, people say, well, how do you know that they don't mean it this time? How do you know that they're really not going to work on things? Shouldn't you give them another chance? The telltale sign for the two and the difference, the main difference between the two is words are only so much. Everybody can say they're going to work on things and everybody can say they're going to change. The question isn't, will they change? Will they say they're going to change? They're saying they want to change. It's look at their behaviors. Mm. Did they actually change? Did they change? And then as soon as they got you back, they went back to their old patterns again. If you look at it from that standpoint, from a pattern perspective, that is a dead giveaway what you're dealing with here. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's somebody who says they want to work on things just to get access to you again. It's very different than somebody doing the work. So how mm -hmm. will you know? you'll know because you'll see the change and the change will stay for the most part consistent. Yes, everybody has their ups and downs, but the general trend should be that it's improving over time. That's how you know. Uh, actions over everything uh, in life too. You know, like I, yes. I even with uh, great people, I mean, listen, my, my better half who is uh, on the couch right now knows exactly who I am in terms of, <laughs> Hey, uh, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that right. You know, like all all of that stuff. So yeah. uh, I, I forgot where I was going with all that. But uh, I I think there's there's people. Oh, right, Star Wars. That's yeah. right. Always always leads back to there. Uh, <laughs> people will people will naturally try and help you progress. Of you know that's that's right. the growing phase. I guess is right. what I was trying to say. A nar that's never ever gonna feel like you're getting anywhere. 
anywhere, anywhere with the narcissist, especially their words. Yeah. Unless them helping you grow in some way benefits them. It's not because they want to grow with you. It's just because if you grow, they get something from it in some way. It's never about you exactly. becoming this better person or anything like that. Um, it, it really, the hard part though, is that when you're in a narcissistic abusive cycle and you see that they're trying, when you're in that cycle and, you, and you're under kind of that spell, so to speak, you, it's really difficult to identify that they're bullshitting you about changing. Mm -hmm. Partly because you really want to believe it to be true because then I wasted 10 years, 20 years with this person. I'm not, I can't just let that go. I have to fight for it. I have to work for it. But they know that that's part of it and that's why they, they you know, say, I'll change, I'll go to therapy. And you know how I put a thing about couples therapy with, with the narcissistic right. part. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh... Yeah, it can get uh, very, very troublesome very fast when you go down that route, too. And yeah, just sorry, I remember now the, the actions part of it. Is there, um, is there anything, I guess, different in identifying a narcissist versus what a, what a narcissist would do at the end of a, of a relationship? Uh, like, or, or those kind of similar, similar qualities in the beginning and the middle as they are towards the end? No. So in the ends of a relationship with a narcissist, um, so with a regular relationship, right? So it, you know, obviously there's the honeymoon stage, right? Everything's great. Mm -hmm. And then it plateaus, you get a plateau. And then throughout regular relationships, you dip, goes back up, you plateau again. And maybe you're never at this point again, when you're with someone for, you know, five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, relationships change. So it's normal to kind of go like that. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, with a narcissistic relationship, what you see is kind of this, and then boom, it crashes. Because you're in that love bombing stage, right, where everything's so good, and it's too good to be true, and it's amazing and wonderful. And then all of a sudden, there's this shift. And a mm -hmm. lot of people will, will be able to identify when that shift was. It is subtle sometimes, you know, first it's those subtle little digs, subtle little digs, until it hits that discard phase, and then it's just boom crash and burn. Mm -hmm. And then because it's that intermittent reinforcement schedule where you never know what you're going to get, it goes like this, goes like this, it goes like this. And then it may go back up, not quite to that love bombing stage, but they'll purposely bring it back up to that to suck you back in. Mm -hmm. But like any other drug, heroin, cocaine, whatever, you're always trying to get as high you did the first time right? Mm -hmm. That's always what you're chasing after. And the problem with narcissistic relationships is that initial love bombing phase, whoever that person was in that phase, it wasn't really them. It was never them. It was an act. Who they really are is who you see now. Whereas in a healthy relationship that ends, who they were in the beginning is them. You've just watched them kind of grow in different directions over time. There was no maliciousness. There was no manipulative intent. There was no plan in the beginning. You genuinely just kind of organically grew together, and it was great. So the, and, ends, yeah. the ends of the relationship with a narcissist is, is, is hell because they mm -hmm. discard you, and you don't know what the hell just happens, and then they'll love bomb you. They'll hoover you back in. It's this constant back and forth, back and forth, manipulation, emotional abuse, and then even if you do end the relationship, the court battle is a nightmare, especially if there's kids involved. And then they use the kids as pawn. Then their financial abuse and a whole host of things. Wherein amicable or not even, just even just really bad breakups, you're still just dealing with hurt, not just, but you're dealing with hurt feelings on both parties. When you're yeah. breaking up with a narcissist, you're not dealing with hurt feelings with a narcissist. You're dealing with... There is no hurt. There's no emotions. Mm -hmm. There's just there's just a, a what do I need right now and how can I get it? So there is no hurt. When people say, well, are they upset? No, they're not upset. If, if they need something from you, they'll pretend to be upset. Mm -hmm. No, they're not sorry. If they need something from you, they'll be sorry. They may know what they did is wrong. And but they don't care. They don't care. <laughs> They don't, no. they don't care. They don't care. And that's, that's the difference again. You could have somebody, let's say, who does the, let's say somebody you're, you're dating and they gamble away all your money. Mm -hmm. Okay. They know it was wrong. They did that. They have a gambling problem. They need to get help. They go, they get, you break up with them. 
They go, they get help, they get help with their gambling issues. You take them back, you work it through, you go to therapy together. And it's a rough road sometimes, but they both genuinely want to make this work. They did the work. They, they put in the effort. A narcissist, they're, they're not going to do any of that. And if they do, it's just to kind of just suck you back in. There's no realness to it. They don't care. They don't feel guilt. They don't feel remorse. They may know it's wrong, but that's, that's about it. Yeah, and that's a, that can end up being that never-ending cycle when you're, when you're trying to be like, okay, this time it's, they're, they're going to change. Or like I said at the beginning, hey, uh, I put in all this work, and now suddenly they're, they're going to walk out the door and go to that mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Friday night Instagram date that mm-hmm. you're, you've been planned in your head forever like that. So um, I guess that's and here's the, the hardest. Thing, here's the thing, too. Oh. Like when people always say, like, well, they, they're with somebody already. How, can, you know, how did that happen? And chances are they were, it was already going on prior to. And if it wasn't, there were other people. Yeah. Um, I would be surprised if there wasn't. But let's just say they were and they met this person a week later, right? They're my soulmate. I love them. I've never met anyone like this before. They're whining and dining them. They're taking on vacations. And this person thinks that the, the person's ex is crazy. And so it didn't work for them because she was nuts. Meanwhile, not only was she not nuts, but this new person has no idea what happened because the, the narcissist is presenting in this charming, just devoted and just, you know, just save, they're going to save you and mm-hmm. you buy into it because, because it's so good and it's so convincing and it's so, and it feels so good. That's the yes. thing. No one can fault you. It feels so good. And then next thing you know, the person who, the non-narcissistic partner, the ex, hears that they're together. And the first thought, because they have been taught for so long to think that they are worthless and that nobody's going to love them, and this was all their fault. Now they think that that love bombing stage that they're seeing with this new person is how it's always going to be with them. Mm-hmm. Because the bad stuff happens because of them. So now they see their ex whining and dining and loving and they're engaged now and they're every Instagram picture and they're in Paris and they're, you know, Martha's <laughs> Vineyard. They're all over the place smiling. It's always Martha's Vineyard. Always Martha's Vineyard. Oh, always Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> and, um, right. And then they'll think that that's, that's, that's how it is. And why are they like that mm-hmm. with her? And they weren't like that with me. And guess what? Not only will that end, but they will 100% be that way with them that they were with you. This other person isn't any, they're not, I mean, they're special because they're human, but I'm saying in terms right. of the relationship, they're not special. They're not doing anything different. It has nothing to do with them. It could have, it could have been like a dog. Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't even matter what <laughs> it is. It's just an object. That person's an object. And so there's a couple things. When somebody leaves the narcissist, let's say somebody divorces the narcissist, how dare you leave me and you will forever be punished now by way of me getting engaged very quickly. I'm going to mess with you because I'm going to post pictures all over the place looking like I'm so happy with all the new places we're going and all the fancy things I'm buying them and all the family events that they're at and how everybody loves them. Because there's a motive behind that. They're not doing it because they love this new person. They're doing it because they want to piss the other person off because how dare you leave me now I'm going to punish you. And I can tell you with, I'm going to say 100% certainty, that's how sure I am about this. That's how long I've been doing this for, that whoever the narcissist is with next and that love bombing fades, 100% will not stay like that and will absolutely not only go back to their regular scheduled behavior, but each time they're in another relationship, it does tend to get progressively worse and worse. Yeah. Well, and, and see, and Kristen is going right through it here in the chat and brings that up too. By uh, narcissist X is hoovering, uh, trying to get me back, and he's so convincing. I don't know whatever to believe. Never, never believe a narcissist. No, period. Because here's the thing: it's it take away the wording, take away what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay, because what they're saying doesn't matter. They're just picking and choosing words that they know that you'll hook into. You have to look at the function, the why they're doing it, and the why they're doing it has nothing to do with you. 
It has nothing to do with wanting you back. It has nothing to do about caring about you. It has nothing to do with they came to their senses and they want to try again. Mm -hmm. It means that they're either fighting with their current supply, they're bored, they need money, they need sex, they need something. They just want to mess with your emotions because they had a shitty day at work and their current supply isn't giving them what they need. So they kind of want to mess with somebody else. It literally has nothing to do with getting back to you, getting back together with you in the way that you think it does. Uh, yes. And another, and it took me a long here. time to be able to say that so freely without like biting my tongue and be like, Oh my God. All right, guys, br- brace yourself. Cause this is going to sound really bad. Cause it, I'm so, it, it's so real that it's just, I say it fact based cause it just is <laughs> because it is. Yes, it is. And uh, a lot of people agree in the chat as well uh, on the live. So uh, be sure to join us if you're on the podcast. Uh, a lot of great conversation going on in between here. Uh, Jen being so uh, welcoming. And uh, hello, Jen. Thanks for joining us and saying and being uh, very transparent as well. We appreciate that. Um, you know, she's saying this is a lot of sounds like my life. Her ex is uh, now engaged just after two months of breaking up. Yep. And here's what I got to tell you, Jen. Uh Good. Thank God. Thank Good. God. Yes. <laughs> that, 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 that happened. And secondly, the question is, can two narcissists work in a relationship? I would say that they wouldn't even try to find one another. To no, start that's out. actually not true. That really? Yes. Yeah. So let so, me get my pen and my paper and I'm right. ready for this one. So <clears throat> yes, but there's different types of narcissists. You have to remember, uh, which is a whole different topic, but there's different types of narcissists. And sometimes female narcissists can be, um, they can come across almost kind of like I, everything happens to me worse. Like when I'm sick, I get sick the most. I get sicker mm-hmm. than you. When I stub my toe, it's not, it's not a stub toe, it's toe cancer. It's every, everything happens worse to me. And it's kind of this like, uh, just, it just sucks you this dry. This big like woe is me. Yeah. Big woe is me. And so, yeah. You know, that coupled with, say, somebody who's uh, like a covert narcissist or a malignant narcissist, I mean, it, it, they, it can work, but not, not in a way where, like, I have my baggage, you have your baggage, our baggage kind of blend together and actually help each other function better, right? And not mm-hmm. in a codependent way, but you oftentimes can have kind of this weird codependency between, like, a narcissist who's like that woe is me kind of thing and a, non-nar- and a, and a narcissist. Or a lot of times with females in particular, female narcissists can often come off, and you know, I'm sure there's some social stigma with this, but mm. female narcissists can oftentimes come off as very um, cold and you know, at work, very kind of like dragon lady bossy, kind of just like cutthroat, um, very competitive. And RBF, as they say. I don't know because I just got told I had that, and I don't think I. No, you don't. Do. I no, got told don't. that I did by That's a ridiculous. couple people. Yes. Everyone, tell Dr. How's, Z she does not have RBF. I, my kids, no, my kids' preschool. When I first started there, I was told like years later after I was friends with people, and for those of you that are on here watching, laugh at this. You were one of them. Um, told me they never wanted to come up to me to say hello because I had such resting bitch face. Yes. What? What? You have the you have the most. What? Like, appro- what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very approachable face in my yeah. I like think that's so. not. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Re Jeez. yes, thank you. See Kim Kim backing us up there. No RBF. So, so Ooh, no, it's more killerish it's, face. That's it's a good, more that's than a good resting. Term. It's more than resting bitch face because you can be have resting bitch face, but then when you speak. You know, you're like, you know, it's, it's like, it's so discrepant from, from, you know, it's like, there's this huge dichotomy between how the person looks and how they talk. Right. Um, yes, yes. They're like, you should expect them to like spit like green stuff out, but really they're just like, <laughs> Oh, it's so nice to speak to you. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> right? Oh God, I'm so sorry. I judged you. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Um, but uh, it's more than that. It's, it's, it's a personality style. It's pervasive. They're competitive with everything. Mm-hmm. And so they're always at the top of their game. This, so that may be, you know, um, something that's, What's the word? Maybe something that's attractive to a narcissist, right? They may have mm-hmm. totally separate lives and do their own thing and be very selfish people as far as their own needs being met, but yet live together. And, you know, so it's, that's yep. not always the case. Um, it's rare for sure, but it's not always the case. Um, Great question, Jen. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. I, you, I, I, we, learned, we learned a lot there. Um, and also, yeah, and this is, uh, Kristen also points this out. And I, yeah, this is, this is like, 
typical 101 stuff here. You know, when, when you hear things from a narcissist in a relationship, like, oh, do you even love me? You never even show me affection. It's just like, man, that is not your responsibility. That is the well, narcissist, they don't the mean, other person's they responsibility they in the first but here's place. The thing, they don't mean that. That's the, you no, can't, they're just you trying can't, to get whatever they want. You can't listen yeah. to the words of you don't show me love because that that's like that gaslighting because you're like, wait a minute. I cook you dinner every single night. Mm-hmm. I rub your feet. I, I pick up your laundry. I clean the house. I do everything for you. You know, I, I, I have sex with you twice a day, every single day, mm-hmm. even when mm-hmm. I don't want to. What do you mean? And so then you start defending all the things that you're doing and you're being convinced that it's still not enough. I mean, that's that's gaslighting. You know, it's, it's like a different form of gaslighting and, and not even it is gaslighting. So you're made to think your sense of self is that you're not good enough. You're not mm-hmm. being a good spouse. You're not being an attentive spouse. You're not catering to their needs. And you're like, if I give anything else to them, I will completely 100% lose myself. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens, right? Ooh, People yes. they lose themselves. So um, you can't pay attention to the words. I can't stress this enough. In a breakup with a narcissist, you have to pay attention to the, the fancy way of saying it is kind of the, the underlying function. What is the function of their behavior? Meaning, what is the purpose of it? The purpose of it isn't to get you to change and give them more attention and affection. They don't give a shit about that. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with that. It has to do with, let me make them believe that they are a horrible partner so that they continue to doubt themselves so that when I leave them or when I cheat on them or when they try to leave me, at least they'll know I've convinced them, not that they'll know that I've convinced them, no one else is going to love them because they are a shitty partner because they can't even show me affection and love. Mm -hmm. That's what Mm -hmm. it's about. Do not get into a battle with them about what do you mean? I did this, this, and this. They already know that. That's not the point of this. Like, don't even bother. Watch how you respond to their words. Always. Yeah, that's and that's one on one as well. And dealing with literally anything in a, with a narcissist, but especially, geez, during a breakup. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's you know what's funny, and I'll relate this to my world for a little bit. I heard um, Tom Brady uh, say that ninety percent of what he says during a press conference, he is not thinking about at all. In other words, he is just spewing out BS, and in the back of his mind, saying, "I can't wait to." go kick that guy's ass or X, Y, and Z. That is a perfect way to try and train yourself how to deal with that narcissist. Now that seems like an incredibly tough job. That's what I talk about all the time. This is, is being present and being aware of your thoughts, but can you still be angry thinking how much you can't stand your middle child because Mm -hmm. she just got red wine all over your white shirt? Mm -hmm. Can you still go to work? And function and be an effective psychologist at the same time. Yes, you can. And why is that? Because we are able to feel one emotion, have certain thoughts, and at the same exact time, respond in the way we need to in the moment. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's, that's all about that kind of acceptance and behavioral-based approach is that our thoughts and our feelings don't, they influence our behaviors, but they don't cause our behaviors. You know, there's plenty of times where you and I go to work and we're pissed off about something, but our, our yeah. viewers, our patients, would, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't, because we can be pissed off and at the same time engage in a behavior right that's consistent with our values. Mm-hmm. So if Tom Brady needs to give a press conference and that's what he needs to do, he's going to do the behavior because that's what he needs to do. That doesn't mean that his emotions have to be consistent with that behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't really understand. So you can... Hear what the narcissist is saying. You can still feel devastated with low self-esteem and think you are the lowest of the lowest of the low. And at the same exact time, set a boundary. And at the Mm -hmm. same exact time, state the facts only, not get into the, the, the nuances of things with them. And this is what I work with my patients on is this idea of... You know, they say, well, I'm, I'm so upset I can't respond in just facts. Or I'm so upset I can't, I can't just not answer the phone. Right. No, you don't have to do one or the other. Be upset and at the same time don't answer the phone. When you try to put one over the other, that's when it gets really difficult. No one's asking you to not be sad. Be sad and devastated and at the same time set your boundary. Do both at the same time. So that's kind of what you're talking about is you can do both at the mm-hmm. same time. And, and 
that's what I work on with people. Because listen, healing, guys, like when people say to me, like, how am I ever going to heal? So let's take regular breakups. Someone sure. comes into my office because they broke up with somebody and they're devastated and um, they don't know how they're going to move on in life. Their whole world had revolved around them and they miss mm-hmm. them so much. And how are they ever going to move on? And I will always get, how long is this going to take? And this is for non-narcissistic. How long is this going to take? And my answer to them is, as long as it takes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It if you're with someone for six years, that doesn't mean there's like a set time that you now need to get over them. Or you're with someone for six months and now you have to get over them within the next six. There's literally no time period. And sometimes, to be honest with you, sometimes we never get over people, right? We never mm-hmm. get over them. We carry them differently, but we never get over them. And I think the assumption mm-hmm. that we'll get over everyone who's broken our heart or everybody who, you know, who, where the relationship ended for reasons other than not being in love anymore. Like I said, like, uh, you know, someone moved or somebody had to take a different job or um, somebody died, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's, there's a very good chance you may never get over them. You just learn how to kind of carry it differently so that you can function day to day and you can have other meaningful relationships, not just intimate ones, but just relationships in general. Um, Mm -hmm. Same goes for a narcissist. When you break up with a narcissist, you have to understand as upsetting and as, horrible as a regular breakup is, a breakup with a narcissist has a very large trauma component to it. It is a very unique type of breakup. It is a very unique type of relationship. It is not your normal relationship, nor is it your normal breakup. There's a lot of complex PTSD, which means not one isolated traumatic event, but a culmination of maybe big, but a lot of little medium, small ones over years that just build and build and build and build. And so they get out of this relationship with this heightened nervous system, right? This mm-hmm. heightened, heightened response to everything physiologically. Um, so they have to not only re- learn to re-regulate their nervous system, which you don't have to do in a regular breakup, but you also have to figure out who the fuck you are, which yes. you may have to do in a breakup if it was like a codependent one, but, but it's, it's a it's kind of like. Well, actually, it, most most of the time in a regular rake, breakup, you guys know exactly who you are, and that's why you're breaking up. Yes, right? unless, I mean, like, it was a, unless it was a codependent one, you know, unless like one person mm-hmm. was so dependent on the other person that they just like kind of have no sense of who they are, they have no confidence Money in what they're capable to do. So right. yeah, so I think that there's there is that part, but the traumatic aspect of a narcissistic breakup is what really sets it apart, and this. Mm-hmm this um the the nerve your nervous system is so dysregulated from mm. constantly never knowing if you're going to be abused yelled at loved kicked hit um given a present you you have no idea so um your nervous system you've been on fight or flight since the beginning of the relationship so part mm. of treatment for that is regulating your nervous system which is is not going to be the case in a regular breakup um, you know, a lot of people treat breakups as like a mourning process cause, cause it is, you know, and it's kind of like this person's almost like died, but they're not dead. Right. They're just, they're yeah. not in your life anymore. And it's a very, you know, it messes with your head I and mean, they're still there, but they're not there. And it's confusing. Whereas with a narcissist, it's probably one of the only relationships. So yes, abusive, one, really abusive ones. Maybe the words, not a mm-hmm. narcissist, maybe there's substance abuse. So I'll set that aside. But narcissistic relationships the breakups are one of the only relationships where you don't just break up with them you need a plan you need a a a plan an escape plan mm-hmm. i mean if you think about the times that you've had breakups with people i mean i an escape plan is very different than we have to have a talk right like this isn't working anymore or even just you break up over the course of months or something you need an escape I have had patients that have left a narcissist in the middle of the night with their children, with no clothes, no money, nothing, because they had to escape. Mm -hmm. That's not happening in a healthy-minded couple's breakup. Maybe they're screaming and yelling because that's what happens, and there's crying and arguing, but there's no escape plan. No, it just ends. It just ends. You I know, mean, maybe, you know, right. they, they get drunk and they're banging on your door at three in the morning. But, like, I'm not saying yeah. it doesn't get crazy, but there's no escape <clears throat> plan. 
So the difference again is there's a, there's a degree of trauma. Your physical self, your your nervous system is completely dysregulated. Um, you don't know who the hell you are when you are left or you leave them in a narcissist relationship. It's more than just being sad. It's almost as if you feel like you don't exist. You are a shell of your former self. Whereas sometimes in a healthy breakup, you may be sad, but you're like, all right, let me like figure out who I am. Let me like figure out what I want to do. Let me move forward in life. Like th- she was mm-hmm. holding me back. Now I can do what I want to do in life. It doesn't go buy like a convertible. Yeah, yeah. Like go crazy, <laughs> but like, you know, like yeah. do what you want to do, go travel to Europe. But like, th- this is different. This is very different because the relationship also the breakup, when you break up in a healthy relationship, even if the breakup's terrible, even if it's a toxic pattern relationship, which is still not narcissistic, mm-hmm. When you, when you break up, there's, there's a level of sadness, should be normal, right? And they may come back and you may try it again and all of that stuff. But for the most part, when you break up and you know it's for good, there's, not, there's, there's some residual stuff. Like they call mm-hmm. you at three in the morning because they miss you or you see each other out and you, you know, get really upset. So you go have dinner one night. Maybe you sleep together again. You know, there's the kind of sometimes this residual stuff that happens. Narcissistic breakups, it's not residual. It's continued abuse. The -hmm. abuse doesn't just end when the breakup happens. So, you know, that's also really difficult to take because you think when you're out of it, you're done. You're not done. Mm -hmm. You're not. In fact, it's never done because they will constantly, constantly keep figuring out ways. Maybe not every day, maybe not every, you know, six months, but, but your birthday they may oh, just yeah. happen to get a flat tire when they know you have plans and they can't bring your kid back to your house, like of that course. kind of stuff. So I'm yeah. not saying like physical abuse or sexual abuse or emotion, but that, that manipulation is still, it's always going to be there because they don't know how to relate to anyone any other way. Yes. Period. They're, they're Cylons. If you're a Battlestar Galactic uh, fan, that's right. Wow. More sci-fi into the chat, wow. y'all. I'm With a Pearl Jam reference possible. in the beginning. It, it, yes. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't me. That was someone screaming. So oh. like, oh. but we'll, we'll, we'll accept that as well. But the fact well. that you called that out. I did. I did. noticed it. It's very true. You're, you're hundred percent right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, am I ever I'm, wrong? No. Wrong. 90% of the time. I wonder because, like, you know, uh, I, I cringe a little bit when you said 3 a.m. drunk and knocking on your door. I've done that. Of I've course. done that once in my life. Of course. Um, but uh, I um, may have I, opened the door once in my life. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. Right? I mean, like, think about it. I mean, everyone's young and stupid, and things happen when you're in college. Like, I mean, this stuff happens. Even when you're young, you know, it happens. Yeah. But it's different. It's, it's different. And even if the person's knocking on your door at three in the morning, you open it, and you're like, maybe they miss me. They want to get back together with me. And so you mm-hmm. sleep with them. And then the next morning, they roll over. They're sober. They realize, like, oh, God. You're going to know really fast, even though it hurts like hell, that, like, they made a mistake. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you, yes. may get, you, you may get mad at them. You may throw them out, never talk to them again. You know, F you. I hate you. You're disgusting. Blah, blah. You may hate them. But they acknowledge that what they did was wrong and stupid and maybe, you know, like, I can't believe I did that. That's still different. Even in the worst of circumstances, that's still different. Yeah, we've all we've all had one of those moments in our life for for sure. Uh, So you're that's normal. Just if you do it all the time, then maybe maybe maybe, well, you won't even recognize it if you are. So you're not even in this chat. I don't even have to bother saying it. Uh, The um, I I, where, where are you on like. Is there any very borderline, like non-narcissistic breakups matched with regular breakups that could look very similar and you're really not sure which way to go? Or is it really defined? Like there's possibly little to no chance that you won't know the difference. Well, by the time you get to the breakup. Yeah. I mean, the relation, the course of the relationship looks drastically different than a like could like could a normal someone, relationship instance, that went really bad. It still looks yes. so different. Yeah, like even if it was uh, throwing shit all over the apartment house, whatever is back and forth, and it's just like that. It ends like that. Right. It was N- no, yeah. because because if you, I mean I'm not saying it's a healthy way to end it. Obviously, it's right. it's, it's 
bad. It's not good. But if you look at the relationship leading up to that, you know, if it's like, it just, you guys were just like, started being mean to each other. And just both mm -hmm. of you just couldn't stand each other. And like the, the, the you know, like you'd, you'd hear her chewing from like the garage and you'd like lose your <laughs> minds, right? Like you just, right, right. Uh, it's just like you knew things were going bad and you, it just, it had been like that for a while. And then, and neither of you talked about it. You just let it go. Like, that's still so different than a narcissistic relationship mm -hmm. still. And so by a time, when it gets to the point of both of you would just like have this like explosion of like, get the hell out. We are done. I can't stand you. And there's things being thrown. And I'm not saying that's healthy. That's a toxic pattern, obviously. To mm -hmm. stay in something, never talk about it until you explode out of anger. That's not healthy. That's not necessarily narcissism. That's, bad. that's just unhealthy yeah, that's relationship patterns. Massive anxiety yeah, probably too. Right. Yeah. And so when you have that ending where it just explodes, no, that's not narcissist. That's just that's just destructive Letting pattern, not just, I don't mean to yeah. minimize it, but that, that's very different. A narcissistic breakup is part of a cycle of narcissistic abuse. A regular breakup, even in the most toxic of relationships, isn't necessarily part of a cycle. It could def be definitively the end of the relationship. A narcissistic mm -hmm. breakup is part of this cycle because after the narcissistic breakup comes hoovering, love bombing, you know, we go... Uh, back and forth and back and forth. So it's, it's different. It's part of the cycle and it's the springboard upon which the hoovering starts again. Yes. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, and, and, um, to, and to ask oh. you a question about similarities though, in general, oh, a lot yes. of times if there's substance abuse involved, so there's a lot of this tumultuous, unexpected, intermittent explosiveness, abusiveness, mm. you know, verbal and, and when they're sober, none of that happens. But you know that if you go out on a Saturday night, it's going to be ugly, right? Mm -hmm. um, that can that can resemble sometimes, you know, to to if if you don't have the details of it, can, can mimic that. But again, you have to look at the function. If the person were to get sober, I'm not saying stay with them for this, but if the person were to get sober, do they work on their stuff? Are they taking accountability for their shit? Are they aware, feel remorse, feel regret, and do everything in their power to change, to make the relationship better? Mm -hmm. Not a narcissistic relationship. It's the effect of a substance abuse problem, but it's not uh, a narcissistic relationship. That makes, uh, no, that makes sense too. Uh, and um, for, as, oh, some, uh, some questions that are like, hey, uh, you know, maybe with uh, narcissism in general, asking, well, I'll, we, we will answer that uh, just to clarify what hoovering is. But um, if you're in this live and haven't watched or listened to any of the previous sessions, they are all in uh, Dr. Z's profile there in our podcast. And we go in depth about a lot of different stuff, including hoovering and like the basics of what narcissism is and a lot of that. But just as a reminder, real quick, when we say hoovering, what are we, what are we saying there, Dr. Sure. Z? So hoovering is an attempt, a manipulative attempt on the part of the narcissist to kind of suck the other person back mm -hmm. into the cycle, not suck them back into the relate into the cycle. There's a very big distinction. They don't want you back. They want you back in the cycle. Okay. And so they do things like maybe they start love bombing again, but never to the initial degree. I mean, I shouldn't say that for mm -hmm. sometimes, but rarely to the initial degree because they don't need to. Um, so they start kind of, you know, sending you cards, sending you flowers, um, you know, buying you presents. I'm so sorry. Let's go on a trip to Mexico. You know, mm -hmm. I'll do whatever you want. Let's go to therapy. And they really try to play back. But hoovering can also be you're not together anymore and it's your would be your 10th anniversary. So they purposely post a picture of themselves with their new girlfriends you know, happy anniversary, babe, on our first anniversary, knowing it's, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, that's hoovering in the sense of they're doing it because they want to get some sort of emotional pull, some sort of emotional mm -hmm. hoover, some emotional reaction, emotional response from you. They're trying to get supply from you. So it's not mm -hmm. always trying to get you back. It also is trying to gain access to your emotions. Yeah, to thank suck you, you back again. into the cycle. Yes. And that's, I always have a saying, that's why flowers suck. Narcissism has ruined that uh, altogether. Uh, Cause 
No one likes flowers anymore because they're all apologies and they shouldn't be apologies. Listen, I have, you know? I have many patients, friends where, you know, there's, there's a piece of jewelry or a pair of shoes or a bag or um, a vacation that mm -hmm. is symbolic of a very nasty, narcissistic, narcissistically, narcissistically abusive episode. Nailed it. Right. Yes. And so when now keep in mind, whereas somebody may say, like, screw you, keep the jewelry, like, mm -hmm. no, 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 like, get your shit together, get help. And then like, we'll talk. Somebody who's in a narcissistic ab abusive relationship also fears saying no to accepting the gift, because mm -hmm. if they say no, then the narcissist may feel you know, they don't feel embarrassed, but they'll protect themselves. They'll go into a rage or maybe it'll, it'll trigger another abusive episode or the jeweler is going to go flying across the room and it's going to start mm -hmm. all over again. So they're also in the situations where they feel obligated to accept the gift, even though they may know what it represents and have to almost convince themselves that it means what the narcissist is say it's saying it's meaning rather than, they accepted a gift that they didn't ask for, didn't want in the first place. And now by accepting this gift out of fear, they now have basically okayed whatever mm -hmm. was done and said, even though clearly they didn't. So um, it's, it's so manipulative to that, to that degree, to that extent. So when people are like, well, why, you know, I patients will say to me like, well, you know, my friends are like, well, why the hell would you take the ear? And why, why did you go to agree to go on the trip? And because God, imagine what would happen if they didn't. Because it's just easier to say yes. It's easier. But then by saying yeah. yes, it continues, you know, so it's a it. really tricky, tricky situation. And so for people that know people in narcissistic relationships or people that are in them themselves, mm -hmm. understand that it is not easy to just leave. And yeah. that's the other thing yeah. that breakups, the difference. Normal, healthy relationships may take just one time to break up. Maybe you touch base here and there afterwards or never again. A narcissistic relationship, it doesn't just end and you're done. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, it, it, and for a bunch of, uh, well, a lot of the reasons we said tonight, but like I said, even more reasons when you go listen back to the podcast and kind of de uh, delve back into that for sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, I know you've talked about this before in the past. Um, and I wonder, and Kim brought it up tonight, and I think it's an interesting thing. Has anyone ever challenged, like, the mental abuse part in a courtroom when it comes to a narcissistic relationship? Because I know you have said, uh, like, the, the, the court of law does not understand narcissism at yeah. all. Probably won't okay. accept it in most things like that. Has anyone actually ever challenged it, uh, to your knowledge? This is a whole other podcast in and of itself. And like, I, my, I, phys I physically, I have a physical reaction to this. Um, two things I want to say. One is in certain states. Yes. Um, in certain states, it is something that is, there's certain organizations that are spearheading that in certain states. So, so yes. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that in, situations I've been in with my patients and people I know who are in these types of relationships and go to court. Mm -hmm. When it comes to alimony, when it comes to child support, when it comes to division of assets, um, oftentimes the non-narcissistic partner is told that the abuse is not relevant and that it's about getting as much as you can for your kids to live on, as much as you can for you to live on. And, you know, it's, it's kind of more about and then dividing the assets. It, it, it's, it, there's, you'll work it in here and there to kind of paint mm -hmm. a picture. But when push comes to shove, I've had more patients than not tell me that their attorneys directed them not to bring up X, Y, and Z. Um, yep. And the, there's two way, there's two, I, there's two things I can think of, uh, two things I say, and I don't know, and this is going to vary, and, and tomorrow I may change my mind, I have no idea, but right now at this moment I can tell mm -hmm. you that 
part of me wants to say, just be done with this human being. And if you have children, get the money you need to take care of your kids, get the money you need to take care of yourself and get the hell away. As long or as fast as that takes, by the now, way, because at the same time, yeah. at the same time, I also want the world to know how abusive this human being is and why it is that I don't have a job. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm lazy and chose not to work because I didn't feel like it. Forget raising your kids. Like that's not like like mm-hmm. that's not even considered, right? Like just if you choose to raise your three children, I would much rather be at a desk any day of the week than raising three kids 24/7 all the time. I would go absolutely insane and I have three kids. Um but a lot of narcissists will tell well, I'm just going to use men for now and and the sure. non-narcissist female although this is, you know, it's obviously not just men. They'll tell their wives. Most of the time it is, though. Right, Sorry. Right. They'll tell their <laughs> wives, you are not allowed to work. You must stay home. And when they do try to work, they will show up at the office flipping out because they had a meeting with another man mm-hmm. in a boardroom with yep. 10 other people around. Or um, they're not allowed to do certain things work-related because then they have their own money. You're not allowed to have your own money because then I have no access to that and I can't control that. And that's where the financial abuse comes in. So by the time, fast forward 20 years, you haven't worked a day in your life, not because you didn't want to, but because you were scared to death and you were told not to and you have three kids. So, mm-hmm. and then you get to the end and you're told, why didn't you work? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, cause you told you- me. But you, you say he told me not to, but that doesn't okay. Ads, but why? Why wouldn't you work? But so uh-huh. it, it's a really yeah, like that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Um, it is getting better, especially in certain states. Um, I will I will say this: this is t- kind of off. Well, it is around the topic of narcissism, and this is not for a debate. I don't want to know anyone's opinions on this, but. <laughs> If you have access to HBO Max, there is a documentary out right now. It's Allen versus Farrow. Woody Allen versus Farrow. Mia Farrow. Okay. Um, it is probably one of the most, and you know I watch some disturbing shit. Oh, yeah. It is probably one of the most disturbing things I have ever seen from the standpoint of abuse in the court system as far as what was allowed to be told and what wasn't allowed to be told and what, what mattered and what didn't in the eyes of the law. And it was absolutely mind blowing. And I was watching this, like, I, I'm going to say I was like, great. I a little, it was, it was ragey. I was, I was, mm. I've never been so like, I can't believe this is our society. I can't, I like, I just, I was watching this going, I can't, this is, I can't believe this is happening. And so basically, uh, for those of you that don't know, Woody Allen, Mia Farrow, they, he was, some people probably don't even know who he is, but famous movie director, you know, still, whatever. And Mia Farrow. Total douchebag. Total <laughs> douchebag. And <laughs> Mia Farrow, such a waste of talent. So, but yeah. he's a creepy dude. And if you watch his movies yeah. now knowing what you know, you see a distinct pattern in his movies. And what he did was this, he gaslit all of the people that watched his movies, meaning... It's kind of like, I tell you that I stole your watch. And then later on, your shoes come up missing. And you ask me, I'm like, dude, I told you I stole your watch. Why wouldn't I tell you if I stole your shoes? Like, so he kind of did this thing where he would put this stuff in his movies that was kind of consistent with his life, but like use that as a way for people to, nor- to like normalize it for people so that when mm-hmm. it happens, really, it was kind of like, oh, it was in his movie. Like, the whole, it was just, it was so upsetting and so disturbing. And so I, I, it, it's a definitely trigger warning. It has a lot of sex, childhood sexual abuse of it. It's definitely a trigger warning. So, you know, if this is something that triggers you, you may not want to watch this. Um, but it really gives a good picture of just how silenced she was for such a long time because it just wasn't allowed to be talked about until 
years later. And so that's why the documentaries are not, but it's, it's unbelievable. Um, so yeah. I do think in general, things are getting better with that, but I still think that the court systems have a very long way to go. And I also think that attorneys, even though they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, getting their clients, their money, um, they still have a lot to learn too, as well as how best to respond to the narcissistic partner's attorney. Yeah. Um, and, so, and this, this might, especially if there is a male lawyer representing you as well. Yes. Like, it's just like, I don't know what it is. It's just like, there's that consistent disconnect there and I'll talk to them as best as I can. I'll get them straightened out. But you know, like it's just, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't understand that uh, disconnect yeah. either. Yeah. And um, it's also, also the other, and I'll, I'll end with this, but the other, one of the other big discrepancies between the two, a regular mm -hmm. breakup and a narcissistic breakup is, you know, in a regular breakup, assuming that it like ended because it wasn't working or just people weren't getting, weren't, were growing apart. It wasn't working anymore. Nobody has this malicious intent to make the other one look crazy. In a mm -hmm. narcissistic abusive relationship, when there is a breakup, the narcissist will go above and beyond to try to make their ex look quote crazy to make mm -hmm. them look unstable. And they do this in court. They do this with the kids with custody. They go out of their way to make them unstable. Um, and to make them look unstable. So there's that aspect too. There's just in a regular breakup, rarely is there this deliberate ongoing attempt to make the other person look crazy. Maybe they'll say like, oh, like he's crazy. I never want to talk to him again. He like banged on my door at 3 a.m. Very right. different than, than this other type of trying to make you look unstable. Yes, uh, very, very much so. And uh, probably the best takeaway of, uh, of everything here from tonight and uh, maybe we should make that uh, – well, here's, here's what I'll do. For everyone listening – well, for everyone watching. I'm sorry, listeners, that's why you got to be part of live. One, type in number one if you want us to continue on the discussion of narcissism in court because that's something that I would love to keep deep diving on with uh, Dr. Z. Or just a, a, another topic related around na narcissism, type two. Uh, for me, I think, uh, or three, something completely different. <laughs> but uh, we can talk about other things too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I feel like we got a lot of good momentum here, and there's a lot of, yeah. a lot of, uh, a lot, lot of, of great, listening. yeah, a lot, lot of ones, a lot of ones coming. So yes, I, I think so too. I think okay. definitely next week, let's jump into that within the courtroom because I know there's, if we're, it's only a natural transition. If we're dealing with the breakup, we're certainly yep. going to have to deal with the aftermath after the breakup too. Yeah. Uh, one and two, yes. The Honey uh, Impress, I, I guarantee you, you will love the podcast if you want more information on all this stuff. And then come back with us again next Monday nights here, uh, 8 o'clock East Coast time. Uh, and we will keep filling you with as much information as possible because Dr. Z is the best. And you can follow along uh, every single day on her Instagram, Dr. Z underscore psychologist. Uh, if you have any questions or you want to reach out or you're unsure about any of the stuff that we're talking about, my name is John Barchard, at John Barchard across all platforms, including Instagram, Twitter. And right now, if you're watching, I am a part of Bell and the Bird podcast. So if you're an Eagles fan, that's why I'm wearing this wonderful hat. Uh, you can come hang out with us on Sundays. And if you like making content like this or ever thought about making content like this? Uh, that's why me and Dr. Z are partnering up in the first place. I'm also help out any digital creator or business or anything trying to get their message. If you're a storyteller, come talk to me. Lastoutmedia.com, and that is uh, how we do that. I am happy to get you started or get to that next level where you're trying to go. If you're stuck on 200 downloads or views or whatever, we like to kind of uncork all that stuff. So uh, that being said, Dr. Z, anything to tell us before? We leave. How are the workshops doing? Do are there are there more upcoming? Yes. So soon? so there is one actually on healing after a breakup with a narcissist. Ironically, um, that Perfect. is going to be available. I think it's still up on my website, drjamiezuckerman.com, under workshops. If for any reason it says sold out, I'm going to be posting the recorded version of it tomorrow, so you can go online and order the recorded mm -hmm. version of the of the. Um, workshop as well but it should still be up if not like i said i will relink it tomorrow and you can order it from there fantastic folks my dms are always open as as uh you have any questions or anything like that feel free to slide in them ask away 
If you have any ideas for the podcast or the show, I'd love to hear from you as well. And what do you think about this? I bet you here, here's here's a good one. <clears throat> have you ever heard of Discord? Of what? Dr. Z. Have you ever heard of Discord? Discord? Yeah. Discord. Like D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Like 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 not getting along with someone <laughs> Discord? Like there's there's family Discord? Like there's arguments. I, well, I actually don't know the definition of Discord myself, but I know it's an app and I know it's where we can all oh. congregate and type. <laughs> so that was so you have failed once again the <laughs> Generation X test. Thank you very much. But uh, if you are interested in that, listening or watching, let me know. I am happy to set up a Discord for us what so is we that? can keep chatting. It's a it's just a basically like a large chat room, uh, essentially with a lot of cool features and things like that where you know we can interact and talk and. You know, stay in one place and all that other fun stuff. Oh. So I thought I would head that up. Dr. Z can't be in there with us for obvious reasons. But uh, if you want to keep continuing this conversation or just, you know, link up with your stories. I see a lot of you going back and forth here. I think it's fantastic. The more information we share with one another about uh, where, where we're at, I think we can help each other out a lot. So I'll talk to Dr. Z about that and see. Uh, you like a forum. Exactly, Lynn Marie. Yes. A big, a big fat forum where we can all talk after the show. So uh look for that maybe uh i'll get the okay from uh from dr z but um that being said we appreciate you listening watching and uh we can't uh, thank you enough for tuning in each and every week dr z your brain is beautiful and you don't have resting bitch face and don't let everybody <laughs> tell you that ever again why thank okay? you okay okay Damn all right <laughs> excellent thanks everybody we'll see thank you next you. week <laughs> bye bye <laughs>